Welcome to Season 2 of Voices of Value, a conversation between Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton and their high-achieving guests from professional sport, Olympians, business leaders and ordinary people with value hacks to share through simple life lessons. If you're keen to reach your next level personally and professionally, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Rick and Peter. Voices of Value with my good friend Peter Kakos, Rick Rushton here with a very special guest. Pete, before we introduce our guest, just want to acknowledge uh, the wonderful feedback we've had from so many people about our Easter edition of Voices of Value where you absolutely gave some gems for people to really think about. None, be, none better than, you know, two years off from COVID-19, what do I regret not doing, which is I've had so many people pick up the phone and tell me that that was just a real game changer for them. So welcome, mate. Hopefully that wasn't the best you've got because we've got a very important <laughs> thing to do today. Well, thank goodness we've got someone uh, by the likes of Paul McGee that's going to join us today. And and Rick, I'll leave it to you to go through um, the many accolades of Paul McGee's life and career and so forth, but he's become very close to us here at Voice of Value and certainly very much a personal friend of yours and mine, Rick. But rather than just talk about COVID-19 from a spectator point of view, what we wanted to do is actually delve a bit deeper. And um, unfortunately, this, this dreaded virus, which um, does not discriminate, has actually uh, affected someone who is near and dear to us, and uh, that's why we thought we'd get Paul on just to, just to, well, a couple of things really is to, to find out what it's like from the other side, someone with it and what they went through and and how they've actually been mailed, um, managed to get through to that beautiful column which says recovered. Yep. And um, also when you look at someone like Paul or you've listened to someone like Paul or read one of his many books, yeah, he, he came up with something called Sumo, which was shut up, move on. Now, pretty easy to do when things are externally going quite well, but what I'm really looking forward to finding out today is when you're hit with so much that comes with us, with economy-wise, health-wise and everything, it's just one big perfect storm at the moment, how do you shut up and move on from that? So that's what I'm looking forward to hearing today from the great Paul McGee. Well, mate, I think yeah, we've got no one better to talk to on you know how to be resourceful in these challenging times and someone who's published so many books that could basically, any one of them could give us some strategies. But I think the beautiful thing today is we're not going to find solutions in the chapters of one of his many books. We're going to hear it straight from, as you say, mate, the horse's mouth. More than 2 million confirmed cases in the world as at 6am uh, our time when we recorded this, 2,064,815, tragically more than 137,000 people have lost their lives. Encouragingly, more than half a million have recovered. And in Australia, we seem to have really, you know, got it really early days and sort of secured uh, only 63 fatalities, which I think is uh, still way too many, but uh, to only have just under 6,500 cases is amazing. The one column that's really thrilling is that our next guest has actually made it across to that recovered sort of uh, column and he is someone who's near and dear to us. He's a very close friend of both of ours, Peter, family family member for us in many ways um, and uh, to that end, it's a real thrill to invite back for a three-peat, Pete, record here. Three-peat. No one else. I mean, we've had a lot of people try and get back on. Uh, then we've had a lot of people refuse to come on, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> and then we've had... The absolute gift of Paul McGee. Paul McGee, got to say, we're thrilled to absolutely have you, see you, look at you, and see the tanned look that says to me, if that's what you look like after COVID-19, uh, that's, that's a fairly good recovery, my friend. Welcome to Voices of Value again. It is. Uh, it's great to be with you. It's, it's really funny. I mean, you guys just lift my spirits anyway. I mean, you talk about laughter being good medicine, and boy, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, I needed you guys, so to speak. But... Yeah, people are looking at me. I'm doing a lot of different interviews at the moment. And people go, you look so well. And, and part of the backstory to that is probably two weeks before I came ill, um, my wife and Helen and I, we went to Lanzarote in the Canary Islands. So we had a lovely week in the sunshine. I then got back to the UK, traveling all around. Then a couple of days later, they've been really quite ill. I was so ill and exhausted, but we actually had something quite rare in the UK in March. We had some sunshine. And... Um, so I would literally just like be asleep in the garden for a few hours. And we've had a couple of nice days recently as well, our last couple of days. So, yeah, I've got this kind of like tangled, you know, almost slightly Donald Trump kind of uh, S um, kind of glow to my skin. But it's uh, it's genuine. I ain't out of a bottle. And I, and I 
the thing is, I, I feel fantastic. I think one of the things, and I'll probably talk about it, that I definitely lost when I was ill was my mojo. I, I mean, I literally felt like I'd lost, um, not the will to live, but we're thinking about the future. And I was just, you know, so drained physically, but if I'm honest, psychologically and emotionally as well. And again, I think it's not down to me. It's down to just we as human beings, the inner resilience we have and the power of your immune system, that you can be in a very, very low point. And actually within two weeks or so, just over two weeks, you know, starting to make that recovery. And I think we all need to take heart. I'm going to talk about a lot of different issues but we, we as a race, we are flipping resilient and we should never forget that. And no matter how low the economy goes, no matter how low sometimes we feel, there's something that Pete mentioned on your previous um, episode. You know, we need to remind ourselves this is temporary. This is not permanent. And we're not going to get through this on our own. We're going to need each other. But let's just take heart that there are literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world right now with this virus and the majority of them are going to come through this absolutely okay and that's not to diminish as you say all the the tragedy around all of this and, and every life that's lost is a life too many but i think we also and again maybe we'll talk about this we need to kind of like step back as well because sumo isn't just standing for shut up move on it also stands for stop understand move on and i think at a time like this that's exactly what we need to do and i think for me mate it's when you see the numbers as we're getting on the regular news updates you see the numbers and you go gee that's tragic but you were someone who i know and love and you were actually part of those numbers and it really hit home to me that was the the first real reference point but i don't know if that sort of resonated with you but when i found out that paul had it i started thinking now this is real now this is real. like i knew it was real but it becomes almost uber real when it's someone you know, love, and have a have a strong relationship with. Yeah, Paul, can, I, can we go um, back right to when you're diagnosed and so forth and got it? I think for those um, that are wondering what it's actually like, we read about the symptoms that you you know whether it's the um, the slight dizziness or the sore throat, um, a bit of a dry cough and that sort of stuff. What, what were the symptoms? And then could you lean on into you know, how different, if at all, to a uh, the common cold or a, or, or, or a flu-like type thing. Could you take us through? Sure. So I actually, um, my, my son is a doctor and him and his wife are currently living with us. So initially what had happened was um, my wife, Helen, had been talking about feeling a little bit dizzy. And I hadn't even registered that might even be a symptom at the time of the illness. But apart from that, she had a little bit of a cough, but nothing much. But I suddenly, in, in the space of 24 hours, became got, went into thinking, wow, I am feeling really tired here, really tired. And, but at that point, there was about you know, two official confirmed cases in the Warrington area. And I'm just thinking, it's just, I don't know, a little bit, maybe touch of the flu, it's a virus. Then my son came home um, and his wife had been sent home from work. She had a cough. She was feeling tired. And my son said, I brought back this really sort of sophisticated thermometer. It's really super accurate. I think we need to take people's temperatures. And so he took the temperatures of all four of us. And um, I mean, my ignorance, I didn't even know what your temperature should be. Um, I'm still not 100% sure now. But, but Helen said to me, she said, if it's over 38, that is a high temperature. So every, everyone had just over 38, but I was like 39.3. And um, Matt was just like assessing me when, you know what, Dan, for all four of us to feel unwell within such a short period of time, there can be no other reason than, than, than it's the virus, it's the COVID-19. And that evening around about seven o'clock, I, um, I just was so shattered. I just had a bit to eat. And I just went, guys, I'm off to bed. And um, I think that was the latest I ever went to bed in the next sort of like two weeks. So for me, and I think what's really important to realise for the listeners and the viewers is I'm giving you my particular experience. We've got to be careful of making general conclusions from this. It, this is my story. And I think there's going to be some people who will actually have the virus, a bit like Helen it would seem, and, and hardly have any symptoms. There's going to be other people who have some mild symptoms. There's going to be people like me who the key thing for me was 
extreme fatigue and fever and night sweats. But, and this was the thing that always reassured me, was I no time had any respiratory, I was going to say respiratory, or, well, let's, let's just say we'll call breathing problems. Not very good to say the word respiratory. Um, and that was, so I always felt reassured that, okay, this is tough, this is hitting me hard, but my breathing is still okay. And, um, but, but what was different, I suppose, about the illness is because many years ago, and I talk about in the book, How Not to Worry, three reasons for why, you know, to analyze our fears. And one of them is, is it historical? Is there something from your past that's now making you fearful now? So like when my daughter was about three, she got bitten by a dog. And um, it's fair to say that she's quite fearful of dogs for the next ensuing so like few years. But there was a historical reason for it. Now, my only real fear, if you want to use that word about my illness, was all the fatigue. Because maybe 20 years ago, I had chronic fatigue syndrome. And, and I was just concerned that is this fatigue and is this virus going to hit my system so hard and impact my immune system that it will re-trigger chronic fatigue syndrome? But the thing with chronic fatigue syndrome was I didn't work for three years. And so that was a bit of a concern for me. But, you know, the nights, well, what was the main difference, I would say, from any previous illness that's kind of related to that was the high fever, the, te the high temperature. And I was literally... Helen was no way going to share a bed with me, that was for sure. Um, but she'd keep the bedroom door open and she'd keep checking in me because obviously I was going to bed at five, six, seven o'clock in the evening. And, but I was tossing and turning and I was delirious during the night. So that was my experience. But here's the thing, it's not going to be the same for everybody by any stretch of the imagination. But once you knew you had it and you, you were dealing with it and you were being nursed beautifully by Lady Helen McGee, who is just so stoic and uh, obviously in your household she's like a rock and you know with your son Matt, uh, we must also acknowledge it's Matt's birthday today Pete so we're taking uh, you know his dad away from him as we grab this interview but you know both Matt his his beautiful wife you know you're all you've all got it to some degree and as you say it's different for different people but at the stage when you knew you had it and then you're dealing with it and coping with it how much were you relying upon what you'd like to think you would expect others to rely upon in terms of some of your strategies for dealing and coping with times of distress and times of challenge and times of difficulty as opposed to lying there in a fetal position thinking, woe is me, am I, am I, is this going to be like the chronic fatigue syndrome that really did sort of affect me economically, did affect me you know, self-esteem-wise, did affect me in such a way whereby it was a question of whether it was going to actually strike me right out altogether. Did you have... Uh, any sort of way of starting to go, hang on, Paul, let's just let's start sort of, you know, living the lessons we teach in books or was it was yeah. it that clinical? How, how did you do, as Pete said earlier, he's keen to know, and I'm, I'm keen to know too how many of the principles in Sumo or any of your other books that you've written, which uh, I think is now about to total 12, isn't it? But uh, what was there any lessons there that you could say you could rely upon that got you through? I think... Um we need to be honest, really. I need to be honest and go, when you become so ill, and not from a life-threatening point of view, but when you literally, it's like the, the analogy I've often used, maybe on a previous episode, is if you go to bed and your, your phone, your mobile phone is completely out of charge, you charge it up and in the morning you go, I'm on, it's fully charged, we're ready to go. Mm. When I was ill, with COVID-19, I would say I'd put my phone charge, I'd, char I'd charge my phone, get, I'd get some rest. And, but it's the equivalent of waking up in the morning and you're on 2%. That's it. Now, in that situation, and it wasn't just a 2% of a lack of energy. As I said to you earlier, it did impact me psychologically and emotionally. And I was suddenly thinking about the future and what's, how's it going to affect the economy and my business. And it felt like overwhelm. And I suppose what I did with that very small amount of energy and insight and learning that I had from the past was, you know, I often use this phrase, besides God, if you believe in God, the most important person you're ever going to talk to is yourself. And, and I was just suddenly thinking, okay, this is not about my future. This is about today. I just need to get through today. 
And one of the um, things that I've been using in the last 18 months, and I did, I'm so pleased I've still managed to do this, is my mornings are really crucial to me. And, and that's happened in terms of it's been inspired by some of what I've learned from your previous guests. So I've got my morning rituals. And before I get out of bed, one of my morning rituals, and I did this still every single day when I was ill, is what am I thankful for? And um, I actually have a little postcard that, um, you know, that I give out at events. It's got three questions on it. And the first question is, what am I thankful for? But for is spelled F-O-U-R. And so the challenge is you think of four things that you are thankful for that happened to you the previous day. And I was always able to do that. The second question is, how am I showing kindness to others? And, and I found that was it's a useful question because in the midst of all that I'm going through, it's not all woe is me and the universe revolves around me. It was still, is there one little small act I can take today to show some kindness to someone else? And, uh, and that might be just replying to a text or even saying to somebody, I'm not well myself at the moment, but I just wanted to say I'm thinking of you. Or just to really like look Helen in the eyes and just kind of say, you know what, I love you and I'm just so thankful for you. So what am I thankful for? How am I showing kindness to others? But there was a third one, which was, how am I showing kindness to myself? And I found that the hardest question to deal with because like you guys, I'm a very driven, achievement-orientated kind of person. And this is really frustrating because, you know, I'd go on to, I'd go on to Facebook, I'd, I'd go on to different parts of social media, and all my speaker buddies are going, yeah, I've got this Zoom meeting, I've just sorted out this with a client, I'm going to be doing this webinar, I bought the green screen, and I'm like, oh, I'm being left behind here, and it kind of mm. wasn't good for me. And I just kind of went, Paul, you need to start showing a little bit of compassion and kindness to yourself here. You've got this. This too will pass. It might take a little bit longer than it has for other people, but go easy on yourself. You know, you're not on this earth simply to achieve, um, you know, and get the work through a, a, a to-do list and, and, and write books and speak at events. You just need to recognize, and I think this is the key word, accept where you are at the moment and take literally take each day at a time and um you know it was almost like i just need to have the universe's grace for today to get through today and realize i'm not writing blogs i'm not doing articles i wasn't well enough to do any little videos and just go you know what paul mate that is all right that might change but today that is okay so i think those three questions are really helpful and just being mindful of, you know, I talk about this little phrase, don't consume um, constant, uh, uh, don't consume, don't consume CNN, constant negative news. Hmm. And I think there's a little phrase which I, I it's, um, I came across from a friend of mine called Drew Povey this week. And he said, every day of the week, whatever the day of the week it is, it's a Tuesday. But Tuesday, so it's C-H-O-O-S-E. <laughs> day it's a tuesday and i still think for all of us before this crisis during this crisis and beyond this crisis it is really crucial that we wake up every day and remind ourselves today is a tuesday and i've got to make some choices today okay. on how to help myself what is within my control do you know what was under my control whether i decided to feed my fears and, and consume what I call, you know, you can be out at sea and, and you can be out at sea and yet you can drown of thirst, even though you're surrounded by water. Why? Because the water you're surrounded with is salt water. It'll dehydrate you. It's bad for you. Um, and I think we've, we're surrounded by a lot of salt water at the moment, i.e. information or speculation, should I say, and bad news that is obviously magnified a great deal. That is meaning if we consume all that salt water, that is not going to do us any good. And so you've got to look for, look for your, look, look for that pure water. And I would say to you guys and to other people who do podcasts and to Leanne Pilkington, you know, some of that, that pure water that we seek is you've got to go, what am I going to feed my mind on today? And I think 
I need to listen to a podcast that's going to lift my spirits. And just as an aside to you two, yeah, of course, I get gems from each of you, every single episode and from your guests. But what I don't think you appreciate, maybe, and I think other people need to appreciate, is the humour that goes on between you, the way you banter or the way you barrack each other. Just, you know, humour is good medicine, guys. And, you know, there was a point where I decided to listen to, I think you were doing a, you were doing a, a podcast with, with a comedian, and I just listened to that, even whilst I was ill, and just like hearing familiar voices, getting some wisdom, but also getting some laughter. Hey, that, that lifted my spirits. It really did. So thank you to you two. Well, I love the fact, Pete, that, you know, the day starts with gratitude. What am I thankful for? And you know, the four being the metrics of the four things. If you, if you put that into your, your head space, then that changes your thinking. It changes how you feel. It changes how you act. And, and obviously the perspective that Paul has, that gives him the ability to say, you know, I'm not so much going to concentrate too much on what I don't have the ability to do at the moment. I'll concentrate on what I do have the ability to do, but don't 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 think for one minute, mate, that I'm not going to be eating on Tuesday. What a what a fantastic that's sort of brilliant, isn't it? That, that's a great hack, Pete. It's interesting. I I, I go back to uh, our kinesiologist, and I, I was speaking to him <clears throat> going back. It was going back a few years now when that when actually we had our firstborn, and I think she was she was maybe one or two, and. My wife was sort of getting a bit frustrated because, you know, all the time that it takes with a little one and then, you know, with in business and then feeling and then all of a sudden the guilt came in and, you know, I need to be, you know, making money. I need to be out there with my business and that sort of stuff. And I spoke to the kinesiologist about this and I said, this is the sort of stuff that Em's going through. And he said, he said something that lives with me all the time now. He says, just remember, it's a moment in time. It's not going to be one forever. So just embrace it. It is just a moment in time. I'm not saying to embrace. You wouldn't embrace COVID nineteen. That's for sure. But but it is that reminder, isn't it, guys? It's that it is it is a moment in time. And what we're all experiencing right now, it's it's a classic Eckhart Tolle principle, isn't it? It's about the power of now, and not thinking too far ahead. It's not going backwards. It's like it is what it is. What can we be doing right now in this moment to have the biggest effect? Um, moving forward, and that was prompted that question about you know it's okay to look forward to then to then look back and go well, what were some of the regrets the, the things that you wanted to do but you didn't get to do yeah and and that's the biggest reinforcement that I'm reminding those around me is don't leave this moment with any regrets if they suddenly said tomorrow the UK and the Aussie government said that's it it's over back to work. I just wonder, I really wonder how you'd feel. Mm. Would you say, oh, could have done that, should have done that, or, oh, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that or I'll, I'll clear this up and I'll, whatever it may be, and, and, and you'll know yourselves what it is, but you don't want to move out of this period before you get some closure in certain areas. That would be that would be my, my belief. And I think, you know, what this world pandemic is doing is giving us all fresh perspective, isn't it? Because what we think is a was a challenge three or four months ago is now just nothing. It's 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 virtually just now really put into perspective. And just getting back to that time, was Olive one or two, Pete? Because there's a big difference when you're one or two. That's fifty percent of her life. You've just <laughs> you need to know is she was she that's two? That's a good point. Can you just give us some sort of certainty? She, she was 18 months old. That's all I need to know because in, in these uncertain times, mate, it's <laughs> certainty that make all the difference. It's not that hard. <laughs> Pete, um, you know, one of the things you and I are very big on and we're very big on, it's not the conditions but our decisions that dictate where we're going and all these sorts of things. Mm. And I'm wondering what are some of the decisions, Paul, that you made, you know, on the other side of it, you're lucky that your son is a doctor, so he was checking in with you quite regularly. You're lucky that your wife is very stoic and she was nursing you back to good health. But there was that time when you and I had a conversation where you're saying, I'm feeling a little bit inept with the fact that I'm not across Zoom, I don't have the webinar technology, I don't know. But you also then said in the same breath, but it's okay, I've made a decision, as you mentioned earlier in your last little chair, uh, that you, you made a decision that you, you'll, you'll do what you can do when you can do it. But what was yeah. some of the decisions that you made out of it that have probably maybe not given you fresh perspective but maybe sharpened your perspective around what you want to do going forward? Do you know, one of my um, <clears throat> my first decisions was I've got a couple of associates who deliver material on my, on my behalf as well. And um, <clears throat> we, had a, we had a Zoom call last week 
And one of the key phrases I wanted to say to them was this, look, when things return, I wouldn't say to normal, but return to a new normal, and we are out speaking at events, I said, we need to be ready, not rusty. And, and, and this is an opportunity to really sharpen ourselves up. I mean, the two people I've got working for me, they're, they're currently both independently, they're doing online coaching courses. We're sharing um, various memes and thoughts and articles from Harvard Business Review. Um, I've actually, because again, I think for me personally, we all operate differently, but my, my mornings are crucial. So one of my decisions was, okay, this is not just about, am I going to buy a green screen and am I going to now understand the technology of how to run a webinar? I suddenly became aware that, look, this is the space I already speak into. When Before this all happened, what does Paul McGee talk about? He talks about, you know, change, how to survive and thrive in changing times and all the uncertainty with that and disruption that occurs. I talk about resilience. I talk about mental and emotional health and well-being. And I talk about leadership. And I thought, you know, <clears throat> I, can, I can gravitate towards the technology and think I've got to do that, but I needed to take a step back and really sharpen my thinking and understanding about all that was going on at the moment. So I need to be ready, not rusty. And one of the decisions I took was to write an article. And the article was, um, it was, uh, you know, how to cope in a crisis or what to do when the unexpected happens. And I just had four key points in that. One of them, if I can just share briefly with you, and if you think about stop and understand, the first point in the article was understand how your brain works. And um, I thought that that's based on some, uh, some of my reading around Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, where he talks about two speeds of the brain, two systems. You've got your fast brain, your slow brain. Well, when I describe it at my events, fast brain is like your red baseball cap. It's primitive. It's emotional. It's like uh, it's all feelings driven. It's act first, think later. And, and then you've got your slow brain, which I represent as your blue cap. And it's that more rational, logical, reflexive part of our brain. But the reality is, is that in a time of, you know, the red cap above all, its primary purpose, keep you alive and protect you. So, and remember, it's fast. So it doesn't get all the facts and then makes a decision. It just reacts to things. It reacts to speculation. So that was one of the first points I put in this article. And I put, you know, uh, manage your mental diet, connection counts. And also, you know, hippo time is OK. It's OK. It's not just feel OK about what we're going through. Digestion disappointment, sickness, sadness. But remember also hippo time is temporary. Now, so I didn't look at technology. I just wrote an article and I sent that out. And we, only, we have about 11,000 subscribers to our newsletter and I think we send it out about once a month. And I don't know, we get an open rate of between 5 and 10% tops. Over 30% of people opened that, then started sharing it with various other people. And I thought, rather than think, am I going to get left behind here? And what do I need to do when I have to run a webinar? It was really more, what am I really good at at the moment? What's the strength I know I've got? Well, maybe my writing, maybe putting over words, you know, ideas and insights in a really accessible way. So I sent that article out. Now, next Monday, there's a premiership football team called Brighton and Hove Albion. But they, one of their um, staff got the article. And so next Monday morning, and I'm not doing, I'm not doing this as a paid event, but I'm doing a, an interview with that football club for all their non-playing staff. So... I started to think I need to be ready, not rusty. I need to refine my thinking around these kind of issues. I need to be, and also I need to be relevant here. Uh, and so that's been my main focus. I'm actually been doing, I won't call it an online course, but an online listen to um, a guy based in the States who's quite a, a, a deep philosophical thinker um, from a kind of quite a Christian background called Rob Bell. And he did this seven-hour program called Something to Say. And every morning, I just tune into him. I'm taking notes around how we communicate our ideas. I'm about to start um, an online writing course on how to raise your game as a writer. You may go, but that's what you do already. But the decision I made was this. I know what I'm good at, but how can I get even better at it? 
And so I haven't chosen. I've got other people supporting me in other areas, and I'm learning a bit about the technology. This is still only about the fifth or sixth Zoom call I've made and done. But I've decided, let's not try and, you know, learn Spanish, learn French. I haven't got the desire, but you know what? I have got a desire to become an even better communicator. I'm not going to usually find seven hours to listen to some stuff. So now I am. I write books, but I've never had any formal training or coaching on how to write. So I'm investing even more on how to maybe improve my writing skills. So ready, not rusty. Make sure I'm relevant. And, and yeah, let's look at the technology. But those other thoughts have been important to me. Final point on this, Ryan Holiday, who wrote, I think, the book, The Daily Stoic and The Obstacle is the Way, said, here's something where you can look about this time. It's either dead time or it's a live time. And as we said before, every day is a Tuesday. You know, Pete, mm. at the start of this interview, you said this. You said, so we're looking forward to it about sumo and shut up and move on. What's really interesting is the word sumo as a word, not as an acronym, but as a word in Latin, means choose. So wow. I'm using my sumo to make some choices on a daily basis, be ready, not rusty, be relevant, and make sure this is a lifetime and not dead time. Yeah. I go back, Rick, it's, um, oh, just loving, loving this, loving this point. I, I, I think it was Bobby Wolf when he said, you know, for things to change, you have to change. And, 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 I, and, I, and I look at Paul and I listen to Paul and I think, I think of you, and I remember seeing that photo when you first put it on Facebook that you were you were unwell. I thought, wow, this is this is this is not good. This is not this is not the Paul I know. And then so I sent the message out and so forth. Mm. But then I look at it, and and then to think that then you then you come out and you you take that that time to sort of get yourself well and health wise. And and if you talk about hippo time, like I've used that so much, in the, especially in the last sort of three to four weeks, and saying it's okay to have that little bit of hippo time if you um, wallow around a little bit. I'm at home. This is not exactly where I want to be. I want to be back in the office, whatever it may be. But just take that time. But for things to change, you have to change. So for these things to happen, you write an article. Bang! All of a sudden, Brighton, Hove, Elvian, away we go. But what are the? Uh, I guess the key thing here is is what are the little things that you could do to put out there? Just just do something, you know, just just little incremental kaizen principles where you totally. can do something because eventually they will they will lead to something. But yeah. what you don't want to do though is, and I've seen many times this, you know, and I see it all the time people ask Rick and I about the podcast and yeah, you know, I want to start a podcast, and then they get one in or they they get some equipment and they go, oh, that's it. A bit like the green screen, got the green screen. What are you doing with the green screen? Oh, I haven't got it out yet. It's still, yeah, I'm just waiting for that right, perfect environment to put the green screen up. It's a classic metaphor for life. Um, but, you know, what's your green screen and when are you going to put it up and actually start using it? And so for things to change, you have to change. And it's just these little things that, that we can do. And that Tuesday, wow, that's, that's an absolute piece of gold right there. Absolutely. And I think the other thing, Pete, what we heard Paul say is, he just wrote something and a quality message, whether it's analog, digital, in writing, printed, in friggin' smoke screens, I don't care, you know, if it's blasted across the sky, a quality message stands the test of time. And so that's why fundamentals are so good. And the, you know, uh, if you don't like how things are changed, you're not a tree is one of the great quotes from Jim Rohn, who we keep on quoting mm. so often. But you know, I think for things to change first, you must change is really the, the, the message out of all of this right here, right now. Like you, Pete, when I saw that image of, of Paul, you know, sharing so authentically that he had coronavirus on social media, I mean, the first thing I did was I, uh, after the shock, I rang Helen and found out if I was in the will. When I found out I wasn't, I thought, shit, I hope not. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because I thought I need him to survive because, you know, um, any guy who's written so many best-selling books must have some coin. And I'm thinking... Yeah, just a few pounds for us is worth <laughs> it. So, you know, he stayed at my house a few times and I'm just thinking, you know, it wouldn't have been bad to feel like I was part of the family with a will. But anyway, I wanted him to survive so I could sort of, you know, get closer to him again just to see if there's some sort of chance to be uh, in the uh, in the will. But in all serious, uh, seriousness, Paul, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I've said that and we might not even go with it. Hopefully Dom cuts it out. But um, you're, you're now at a point where... This, this, this is your passion in life, to share quality content, quality information. You had a 30% open rate because it was a quality thing. So uh, I guess really what I was trying to say here in terms of the next gamut that I want you to think about is 
being that you can write books so well but you've had no formal training, given that you can express things really well, I think your short, sharp videos are as good as anything that's out there. Can you share with us the acronym of HOPE that you shared in one of your short, sharp videos recently just in case our listeners and or viewers didn't get access to that because that's a quality message. Yeah, I will do. And I think, again, going back to some of the things you've said is just to help those little little steps, those little choices, those Kaizen principles, Pete, that you just talked about are really important. And I sat out for a walk on Easter Sunday morning and just thought, again, it's a beautiful morning. And what was interesting was I was near a reservoir where we were and I carried on walking beyond that. And I suddenly thought, why don't I just do a little video now? It's it's a beautiful morning and I, and, and I think the thing is sometimes to realise with what we do in life is sometimes it's like, have a good intention. How's it going to unfold? And I actually recorded something and just said, you know, I hope you're well, blah, 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 and happy Easter. And then I deleted that and I thought, well, have I got anything else of value? And I'd been in a prison many years ago as a visitor, speaker, mate. <laughs> and on a notice board, I think it was in the chaplain, in the chaplaincy, was this acronym HOPE, H-O-P-E. And it just said, helping other possibilities emerge. And it was literally, as I was about to film myself, that word came to mind. Obviously, Easter is a time of hope. And it's obviously for some people, it's a time of real significance. And without getting into the religious context of it, but, you know, <clears throat> the world has gone through a bit of a good Friday. Yeah. Maybe at the moment we're still in that processing through to Saturday. But is there an equivalent or a metaphor of an Easter Sunday? Is there some hope for the future? And, and helping other possibilities emerge. And what I've realized is, as I've kind of wrestled with that word hope, for me personally, I think there's, always, there's probably more than two, but I think there's two things I think about in terms of hope. There's two types of hope. And one type of hope is simply wishful hope. And that is where we just take this really passive approach to all that's happening, well, it all depends on what the government's going to do. It all depends on what the economy does. It all depends on the housing market. And there's almost this sit and wait and do absolutely nothing. And I think that passive wishful thinking hope will, will derail us. It's not something that's going to be helpful at all. But there's another type of hope, and I call it the, the, the worked through hope. So it's not wishful thinking hope. It's the worked through or the worked out hope. And that is, okay. there are things out of my control at the moment. Why keep focusing on them? Why keep focusing on stuff that I can't actually influence or improve? But hang on a minute. There is some things I could work through now that I am ready, not rusty. I'm relevant. I am. I've got maybe an an edge to me that maybe I didn't have before this crisis. And so I think hope is important. It's not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy, but it is a catalyst to kind of give us the kickstart to move forward with a degree of optimism that other people might not have. It's not this Pollyanna approach of it's all going to be fine. It's going to be the times yeah. ahead are probably going to be challenging. They're going to be a struggle. And the struggles can strengthen you, but I'll be more prepared for that struggle and to get work through it because of how I'm using the time now than by rather than going, I'm just sitting at home hoping things will improve. So helping other possibilities emerge. And and I think this is a time for us to think about new ideas, new thoughts, innovation, and and adapting our businesses when appropriate in order to do so. And I think the, the ready, not rusty is a really good point because I think it was Dr. Stephen Covey in his great book, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about sharpening the saw and making sure that you've got that sort of uh, upskilling going on and to give you uh, an authentic message around that Pete and I spoke a few times earlier today um, not really in readiness for this but just chatting about things in general and he he said hey mate have you heard of this thing called Masterclass and I had seen it and and I said oh is that the thing where Ron Howard gives a Masterclass on how to be a great director and Doris Kearns Goodwin talks about how to be a great leader and he goes yeah I said he goes, because I'm thinking of signing us up for it. I said, I'm there. Just do whatever do whatever it takes. I'm there because I'm thinking I want to dedicate part of this weekend coming up because uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote one of the best books I've ever read on leadership called Team of Rivals where she took all the diaries 
of Abraham Lincoln and his wife, Mary Todd, and his uh, adjutants and his um, cabinet members and talked about his incredible ability to lead through one of the most challenging times in history, in the American history anyway, during the Civil War. And he brought into his cabinet all of the rivals who tried to actually get the candidacy for what ultimately became the presidency of the United States. And everyone warned him about that and said, are you silly? Like, do you realise that every one of these people in your cabinet all want your job? And he said, I guarantee you that's the case. But he said, but they're all the best at what they do. How dare I keep the American mm. people away from these people who are the best at what they do? And in them days, you know, Sam and Chase, who founded Chase Manhattan Bank, if that's the right way of saying it, wrote a check out of his own funds to keep American open, the doors to America open. So I'm thinking... What a great thing. I've read the book. I've met the lady. She, she signed my copy of the book. She was at NAR in, uh, I think it was 1998 or thereabouts. Uh, and when, when Pete said that was the opportunity, I went, I'm, I'm taking that opportunity right here. And that's the benefit, I think, Paul, of understanding that we'll get through it with the help of others because I, I've had an intention around that because I've seen it advertised a bit. Pete mm. just said, I'm signing us up. And I went, thank God you, you are because I'm, I'm, I'm across all that. So one of the things about these podcasts or sharing or collaborating is, it also has someone who thinks a little bit more of you than you're probably thinking for yourself at the moment and forces you to, you know, keep on sharpening the saw. So I love that distinctive mm. Peter about I'm ready, not rusty. Well, that's what they say when one person teaches, two people learn. I just love that. And that's um, that's always that's been cool. a great philosophy of mine is to oh, – it's probably part of oh, – it's part of a challenge that I have is when I hear something rather than internalise myself, I'm like, who can I tell that to? Who can I, who can I share that with? You know, so it's important to actually do both, internalise it for yourself and then then take it on to others. Coming out of this, looking forward to the two of you, um, what preparations or, or what changes in your businesses right now um, that have you learnt now that, you know, should this happen again, what would I do? And what, what sparks this question is a, a little place called Wimbledon, Paul, um, you know, not that far from you. And I've seen over the recent week what they have done in terms of the insurance they took out some 18 or so years ago. Um, so what they did is they uh, – are you guys aware of this one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the, the, when the SARS epidemic – so when the SARS epidemic came and, and they basically took insurance out, so should Wimbledon need to be cancelled because of a pandemic or something of the likes, you know, so they were been paying something like a couple of million dollars a year in insurance – and guess what? It's the payday came um, has come this year, and they're going to get a payout of say 140 odd million. So looking back, that's you know that's something like I think 17, 18 years ago yeah. when they took that out. It, it really poses a question around. Okay, now we all went racing for that green screen. Get a, I'm loving that metaphor. Let's go racing for the green screen. Let's go racing for Zoom, and let's go racing for all these things that to get our businesses virtual ready. Yeah, virtually ready. So, you know, what, the question is what what are some of the things that should have happened again that we would be absolutely prepared for? And I'll let Paul answer it first, but he was saying he didn't know about that. He thought that Wimbledon were ensuring against the fact that Wimbledon couldn't couldn't run because there was two solid weeks of rain in London, which is possible around that time. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, but that was that, that was all based on the SARS outbreak. Pete, you're absolutely spot on. I read that uh, two days ago, I think, and it was I mm. think what great foresight that was. Um, I've got some thoughts there, but Paul. What what do, what do you sort of? What's your best answer to that question? I don't have a best answer as such. I think what hopefully um, it's actually not the decisions. I think that I'm in a place, fortunately, because of the decisions I've made over the last what ultimately would be 29 years up since I went self-employed in 1991. Is we we've got a nice home. We've got offices within the home. Um, I love my trips. I love my time over in Australia with you guys and visiting. But we've never been ultra extravagant and spent money we haven't got. We've been pretty wise with our finances. Now, this puts me in a situation that will be different. I appreciate for other people. But first of all, I, one of the biggest causes of stress clearly for people at the moment could be not just about will I get the virus, how is it going to impact me financially? So I think some of my speaker buddies in the UK have been panicking about, I've got to do a webinar, I've got to do an epic webinar because I need to get some money in and I need to get it in now. So actually, I guess I'm in a position where maybe because of Helen's support and guidance, having good financial advice, 
we're in a position where we didn't get into that kind of everything is it's panic and the business is going to crumble. And I think what you'll find with both your business and Pete and your business and your reputation, Rick, is this there are because of what you've already established, because of who you guys are and how well you know and the value you add. Actually, moving forward, what needs to change in the business? Well, yeah, there can be some adaptations, but actually, it's like keep on doing all the great stuff you were doing before. This isn't like knee jerk. I've got a yes, must do another book, must do this, must change everything. We just need to kind of like press pause and stop and understand that what's got you to and what's got loads of people listening to this podcast and watching it. What's got you to the place you're in now is because of all the great choices and decisions you've been making over the years. And that has an accumulative effect. And I don't think we need to panic now and go, so we need to push all that aside and do Mm -hmm. the new and the novel and follow what everyone else is doing. To some degree, I'm actually deciding, well, how's my business going to change? Well, first of all, in terms of what I talk about, it's not going to change. It might go deeper, but it's not going to actually change. I'm not going to suddenly start marketing myself as a sales trainer anymore because there might be more demand for that and how to win business over the phone. Um, I'm definitely not going to go into the world of, you know, will I go into the world of webinars? Potentially. But I'm hopefully not being complacent because I've challenged myself about this. But I thought, okay, leadership is not necessarily about looking around you and thinking what everyone else is doing, a better copy then. It's about using that blue cap again and going, okay, it's my slow brain. It's not always the quickest to activate. But what do I need to do to just stop and understand the market, stop and understand where we're at as a business? What are my actual priorities here? And and not necessarily follow the crowd um, and just go with the flow, but actually just stop, pause, think, think about strategy, Mm. realize there's a load of good stuff we've been doing already. So make sure we enhance that and build on it and not join the panic crowd, the um, run for the green screen crowd but actually decide, okay, let's be strategic. And can I also say this? You know, moving forward, I'm not just a businessman. I'm not just the sumo guy. I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm, you know, my parents are still alive. And I have actually valued the fact we've now got six people living with us. We've got my son and his wife. We've got my daughter, Ruth, and her boyfriend. And we have had some real special times. And I said to them over dinner last night, and um, you know what? How often are we going to get together as a six to enjoy yeah. these meals? Yeah. So for me, going forward, isn't always just about this has been bad. We need to change lots of things. There are some gifts and some real gems within the mud and the misery of what we're going through that we need to spot and identify and really appreciate. And will there be some tweaks? And will there be some adaptations? Yes. But here's the point. I'm talking again about my particular situation. I'm not trying to make it a global uh, conclusion of how everyone else should be. But Mm. I would just say this, you know, move forward with with strategy and with consideration, not just go follow the crowd because that's what everyone else is doing. I love it. That's Uh, brilliant. That's great, Paul. Love it. And uh, for me, very quickly, Pete, because I know, you really got me to think and sharpen my thinking uh, over the last sort of few days when we recorded our previous episode that's gone so well in the most recent of times. But my message is kind of, um, I was just saying this to Gay earlier today, funnily enough, I think uh, I want to have a survival kit because I'm pretty sure we're going to go through something similar to this in the not-too-distant future. I think this will become sort of, you know, as, as the world continues to sort of evolve, I think there will be these moments and times. And I think my survival kit for me is, who have I got in my inner circle, my, my key relationships? And, you know, um, people saying to me at the moment, gee, you're lucky to still be working, doing what you're doing. And I'm thinking, yeah, but if I really stop and think about it, these are all, I'm doing things for people I've got, in some instances, 20, 30-year relationships with. So, you know, we're, we're time-tested together. I'm not going to take them for a ride. They know I'm going to add value. So that's working quite well, I suspect. And so I'm going to continue to build those um, relationships, which I think is what you're talking about, Paul. But I also want to have a, a bit of a, a, you know, a survival kit with me, i.e. I want my, and Pete, you and I talked about this at the start of the year, I upgraded my Mac top, yeah, my, lap, my laptop, I upgraded my phone, I upgraded all my technology. I, I went for the unlimited, um, thankfully now, I went for the, uh, you know, the unlimited broadband, bloody NBN connection, the best you could get. Um, 
it's paying dividends now. But I think I also, in philosophically speaking, I do want to plant shade trees I know I'll never sit under and make sure that I've got an umbrella protecting my family and a financial wall that sort of, you know, nothing can get through. And that's kind of what you know, Paul and I had a chat about it um, in one of our private chats uh, leading into this webinar tonight and, sorry, into the, the, the podcast interview tonight that, you know, um, the, a lot of people, they've been sort of put on the financial brink of ru- or on the ruin of financial brink because they've just, they haven't tucked enough bloody nuts away like squirrels, you know, they haven't been smart with their, with their savings to that degree. So we're a little bit lucky there to sort of look at the fact that we've put some money behind us to a degree. We can write this out mm. a little bit and, in fact, as uh, as many of our close friends know, we've we've actually made one of the biggest purchases we've ever made in our lives in the last mm. sort of, uh, 72 hours. So I think that's the message, Pete, but I, I love the intent with it, but I think I share Paul's belief around it won't be anything at the speed of click. It'll just be reinforcing relationships and some time-tested sort of scenarios that, that do pay dividends in time. Yeah, it's, in, it's incredible times to spend with family. I, I was sitting there with them and the kids. I'm not sure if I mentioned this last week the table um, and just said, if there's a fire right now, what would you grab? Yeah. And did I mention that last week? Yeah. And um, well, <laughs> literally. Rick's book, what else would you grab? Yeah. So I grabbed the power of connections straight away. Um, <laughs> Available in all good bookstores and crap ones as well. Paul, do you want to get out your dozen books and just but just maybe like a parade them across the screen it's or something? Well good. It's well, good. Between us, we've written 14, haven't we, Paul? Yeah. Well, that means between the three of us is 14 as well, so that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's terrific. <laughs> but, um, but it really is. It's that, it's, it's that, it's that pause, um, I think, in, in humanity that's, um, that's seen some pretty amazing things. And, and family's one of them. Like, you know, I, I have set up my office in the front room and I look out my window and I've deliberately, I record from this side of the desk, but I sit the other side of the desk because I, I look straight out and I watch person after person walk past and, I tell you what, the amount of people walking, getting into the environment, walking the kids and that, I just wonder, it's interesting, you know, what I'd like to see or look at when this is all said and done is is what are relationships like, you know. I know there'd be a bit of frustration in some households and so forth, and especially with homeschooling. Yeah. Don't talk to me about that. But um, <laughs> but, but certainly from an aspect of, uh, of connections and finding out a little bit about each other, I think um, a little bit more intimate sort of information um, about the family. I think that's been, uh, that's been you know, that'll be a tremendous thing as well. So I don't just grab my computer and just get out and whatever. That's got the family, you know, got the arms around them, got the computer, of course, and um, and then and then away you go and you just you do it all again. So that's that's really assessing what's what's most important. But, um, but this conversation's been amazing and... Um, and Paul, you've you've given us some, some not only some absolute gems, but some great perspective, and some um, uh, and coming from a place of um, yeah, obviously the gratitude. And when you, when we're grateful, we can't be anything else. That's just that's just the way we are. But sort of a, almost a philosophical approach that you've um, you've come from today. But certainly um, some amazing things to, that you've really triggered, certainly in my mind, and I, I'm sure those are the listeners as well. It's been, as ever, it's always great talking to you. I think one thing I'd just like to finish with as a key message for me, people say, what's some of the things you've learned? It would be about compassion and kindness, which you need to show to yourself. But, you know, as we talk, we, we've been on this personal development journey for, for maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 years. We've built up businesses and we've built up reputations. And maybe we're in a position where there's a buffer zone so they, that things can hit us, but I mean, not as hard as they hit other people. And so one of the things I just want to be really mindful of is, you know, probably the people who benefit most from this podcast and listening to Voices of Value aren't the ones that listen to it. And so I get really inspired and encouraged, but we need to appreciate everyone's starting a different place on this journey. They haven't got that, that those years of ideas, the Jim Rose, the Jim yeah. Zig Ziglar's, the, the Tony Robbins and all the podcasts, all the nourishment we get in order to thrive, not just survive in these times. So for me, I think part of my also key message is, yeah, we don't know the battles that people are facing. We don't know that actually they're in a seventh floor apartment. They've got four kids that are on their own and they're financially struggling. And I think it's really important to be, yeah, show compassion to ourselves at times, definitely. Be grateful massively for what we are, where we're at in life. 
they realize there are some people on this journey, but they started it in a very, very different place. And they don't need judgment or criticism. They just need a bit of compassion, a bit of help, a bit of support, and a bit of encouragement along the way. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way of summing it up. And for mine, it's, um, you know, I think we've been so drilled in professional life, Pete, specifically from our backgrounds of real estate, that you've got to be a go-getter, where I think what we're taking out of this is when the world comes out of this and resets, I think it's going to be a lot more of go-giving, you know, be a go-giver, and then you'll get everything you could possibly want in the relationships you can build along the way there. And I, I also think it's not so much about market share, it's about heart share, and a lot of things that are happening at the moment are very much in that empathetic sort of set. I saw something the other day which made me think of all the great mentors in my life and, and the, the people that have had an impact and it talked about the fact that, you know, personal development is a gift you've got to give yourself first before you can give it to others and part of doing this podcast is because we have had the gift and we mentioned that last episode, Pete, that doesn't make us any smarter or, 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 or more uh, articulate than anyone else. It's just that, you know, some of the things we're seeing today makes us feel gratitude that we've already had them and to see people doing it now makes us think, well, yeah. that's awesome. The world's on this sort of fast track to a better place. But I also saw this, which I love, which is, you know, when you kiss someone passionately, when you pray to God or whatever your spiritual belief is, when you do anything of real value, you do it with your eyes closed because you're doing it from the heart. And I think what we've found in these times is the world's opening its eyes to what is really important and, yeah, absolutely spot yeah, on, mate. I sit opposite a park. I watch people go for walks. The most disappointed people when this thing is over is going to be the four-legged creatures called dogs because they are so <laughs> stoked with all the walking they're getting at the moment. But my gut feeling is is that when we come out of this, the world will have a totally different perspective. Uh, we've been realistically aware that sometimes some of the best gifts come poorly wrapped. And I think that one of the gifts that's come out of this is is that, you know, business is not primary, life is primary and business funds life and we'll find better ways to do it, and whether that be with technology or whether that be with a pen and paper or whether that just be with a simple thank you for the impact you've had on my life. I think the world's going to be better for it. Uh, Paul McGee, third time to the microphone. Look, if I'm being fair, it's probably not your best one, but, look, I think it was important. <laughs> I think, well, I think it was important that you came on board and shared the inside thing. But in all seriousness, mate, when I did learn that you had it, COVID-19 stopped becoming a number to me that I was monitoring. It became someone I know and love is now challenged with it. And in all seriousness, I, I was uh, very concerned given that you did have that chronic uh, fatigue challenge prior to that. And so when we did chat and you told me that, you know, it hadn't had that impact with the respiratory scenario. I was truly, really thankful for that. And, uh, you know, speaking with Helen, as I had the great fortune to do, knowing that, you know, Matt's a doctor, I thought you were in a good space there, in a good place. And knowing that you, you know, barracks for, you know, Bradford and for Wigan Athletic, I knew you had stoked. Yeah, so hasn't he gone through enough? I, know. I, I, thought so. I was going to say, God, that's enough, surely. But uh, so I knew you were going to be spared. But in all <laughs> anything, anything to stop Liverpool winning a title, my God! Like you know, twenty-five points clear, and just sort of stuck there. Yeah. But uh, but we hope that you love the shout out that the uh, comic genius that we had, uh, you know, Dave Thornton gave us about how Australia's just like England, but with a five-star rating. I absolutely <laughs> get a, yeah. A now you need to actually think we set that up. Uh, we didn't. We just we just put it out there, and that's what came out. But uh, but I know you always feel uplifted when you get off one of these in a in a positive way. And I'm I'm hoping that most of our listeners have as well. If you've got the opportunity to listen to this, share it amongst your networks, rate it for us, and most importantly, watch it on YouTube, and you'll see the absolute glow that is around Paul McGee. not from just the sun, it's from the absolute aura he emits, which is wanting to help people get to a better space and a better place. And he does it with time-tested fundamentals. He consumes a lot of personal development material himself. He creates a lot of it too. And I, I, we're, I'm very fortunate to have him as one of my absolute dear friends. And I know, Pete, you and I have often referenced a lot of great iconic people over the journey, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, Stephen Covey, but we find ourselves quoting the sumo guy more often than not now, don't we? Yeah. Oh, look, that, that hippo time, the, the beach ball. These are the, these are classic principles that Paul's introduced me to that, that I've used with our team over the coming the last few weeks, which are just just some incredible fundamentals that people just get and understand. And that's why I think that Paul's just got this innate ability to um, to just make you sit back and just look with what you shared today and go, you know what, gee, some more 
some more incredible stuff to think about and uh, and to adopt and, and 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 to help us adapt to these um, these situations. So, Paul, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Great right, as ever. Uh, thanks, guys, and to all the listeners. Just you know, stay self, stay self, stay safe, and stay well. And uh, I'm looking forward to everything being back in Oz in uh, 2021. So it'd be great to catch you guys in person and hopefully connect with a few of my Aussie mates as well. But it's always sure. a privilege. It's always a laugh. So you come uh, we're all you're in this coming, together. You're coming back? Is that what I hear? Yeah, yeah I think they, if they let me back in the country. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, just a couple of things very quickly. Uh, apples. I don't want Lady Helen to bring any apples down. <laughs> That's not going um, yeah. By the way, if you come... You come. Uh, well, yeah. didn't, didn't you say you wanted another another one of those beautiful porcelain plates with the Queen's face on it? Did you? Yeah, I, I think that's what yeah. he wanted to do. And, you know, Paul has sort of tucked a lot of money away behind him because I've got to tell you, when he was here last time, we couldn't get him to pay for anything, Pete. The only, <laughs> the only meal he shouted me was burnt pizza up at... Kingscliff near the Gold Coast. Do you remember that? It was. Mate, let me pay for this. I said, Mate, I've taken you to number eight, to Doyle's, and you you, you want to pay now a takeaway pizza joint that was closing up, by the way. Through reminds me of the Seinfeld episode. It was, it, mate, it, let's not even go there. But uh, <laughs> So, Paul, if you come home, Lady Helen's got a place to stay, no problems at all. And oh, yeah. if I can get you a deal at, you know, a flag motor in or a premier in and see if there's an Australian equivalent for you. Great. That's wonderful, guys. Thanks ever so much. You take Thanks, care. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul. See you, mate. Ciao. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton, Peter Kakos, and their valued guests. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source, and we love to hear both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Additional information can be sourced through our website, voicesofvaluepodcast.com. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way.